This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to Talking Real Money. This is the prologue. We recorded this edition of the show on Saturday, and it's about Silicon Valley Bank. But since we recorded it, much has happened. Much, much, much has happened. One, the biggest thing, and I'm sure you're aware of it if you've watched the news or read anything, the U.S. government is going to backstop all of the deposits in one way or another, and they're not saying how they're going to do it. My guess is that it's going to occur primarily through slowly liquidating their assets, that those assets will be given to the government. The government will use those uh, to pay itself back for the money that they put up up front to uh, provide depositors with liquidity. And given the fact that, in general, bonds are only down, well, only, it's a lot for bonds, down about 15% over the the past year or so, the portfolio at Silicon Valley Bank should have some value. And it probably only means a few billion dollars that are going to need to be covered somewhere. And there is still a good chance that the bank's assets will be acquired by another big bank. Other, But no matter what, nobody is going to suffer a loss, according to the government. Nobody's going to suffer a loss. That still led to a huge decline in the price of a number of smaller banks because people are panicky. That's what we do. We have these emotions that spill over into everything we do and even in money, which shouldn't have an emotional component, but it does. Again, what this points out is the need for diversification. Are all the banks in the U.S. going to go out of business? No. Are a bunch of small ones? Probably not. Might one or two? Yeah, I mean, we saw Signature Bank close, but we knew that was coming because they were the crypto bank. Uh, but right now, I wouldn't. Pan- I certainly wouldn't be selling Schwab. They're fine. What's going to happen to them? There's not going to be a run on the bank. They've got it's it's securities they hold. They're not really. They got a small bank, but they're a security holder, and those securities they can't steal, touch, do anything with. They belong to you. So it's all a little blown out of proportion, but I wanted to talk about it before we start the real episode. Keep calm. Carry on. Take a deep breath. Don't you feel better now? Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. It's an old saying that gamblers have used for many years, but recently it apparently took on some new meaning. The, the, the phrase I'm talking about is breaking the bank. Well, apparently a bunch of people broke a bank this past week. They literally broke the bank. We're talking about Silicon Valley Bank, a bank that uh, was, it was the bank to the texts, to the startups, to the uh, hot little memes and the you know all the the cool little venture capital deals in Silicon Valley. And by the way, this bank was like gigantic, really much larger than anyone ever imagined because there was a ton of money deposited there. And as of Friday, the 10th 
of March 2023, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation swooped in and shut the bank down and is working to reopen it. But what does that mean? What happened? I, I this is a this it sounds scary. It it does sound scary. And by the way, this is the biggest uh, sort of takeover, if you will, by the FDIC since Washington Mutual. We're proud to say here in Seattle, uh, we got to be on the. You map love for to something, get your right? Washington Mutual comments <laughs> well, in. I, I Mr. got two if things. My, my local bank went bad. I got two parts that are interesting about that. I still have a share of actual stock that we hang in one of the conference rooms to remind people this is why you don't own individual securities. Because here you go, take that piece of paper. It's worth about the piece of paper. Number two, um, as you know, and as many people know, I interviewed Kerry Killinger every year. He was the CEO of Washington Mutual, including 2006, at which time he told me, we got this little mortgage problem in California. We figured it out. He didn't say how they figured it out, but so you didn't have up, him. So. You didn't have him on for the 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 moment before the explosion. No, I, though the problem was I wasn't on the air. Had I been on the oh, air, I would have. Well, that, that it didn't stunk. work out. Yeah, so that right, doesn't work. So what does this mean? I mean, this is the 16th largest bank, as you pointed out. It's more significant than you would think. A Silicon Valley bank sounds like this. You know, something in San Jose that you drop off your. It's not a place after. where you go and do your na- your your neighborhood exactly. banking. You're not getting quarters back on the dollar or something. So uh, it, it, it is a big deal. Number two is, does this mean that my bank um, is in trouble? Um, and what does it mean to people that had money there? Now, we know that really since the introduction of the FDIC, which is about 90 years ago, there's never been a depositor of $250,000 or less who lost anything. You've always mm-hmm. gotten your money back. It, it, and with the, the, the aforementioned Washington Mutual, took it over on a Friday, Monday, the ATMs open, you can get your money, right? So there's a lot of people, Don, as you pointed out when we were chatting about this, that had big, big money there. A lot of companies had millions there, and they're going to be in line as a creditor and have to wait to get their money back. Yeah, they get, in essence, a little certificate that says, we, you might be able to get X amount of money. Here's how much money you have deposited. And then we'll see how it all shakes out once we go through the books and we clean everything up. But here's how they got into the problem. And this is why this is hopefully unique, uh, a, a, a unicorn as opposed to a potential systemic problem. This bank did some things that you shouldn't do. Well, one, their liquidity was very, very low. Now, the biggest banks have very high liquidity requirements imposed on them by the banking regulators. They got to keep a lot of cash on hand for just such an instance. And what happened was a lot of companies heard they might be having a problem. And of course, in the, in the mad human rush to trample everybody on the way to the, uh, to the, to the teller, they're rushing in and panicking to get their money. It was a run on the bank, old fashioned run on the bank. We haven't seen one of those in a very long time. But in this case, the run on the bank was exacerbated by the fact that SVB had a a lot of its money, most of its money tied up in much longer term assets. 
uh, decade plus long bonds and, and mortgage backed securities. Why did they do securities. that? Why did to make they do more that? money for themselves? Ah, so there's a little bit of greed involved in all this. Of course. And that's the problem. The bank wanted to make more money on the money because, well, they were also lending to some of these riskier companies. So they, they, they had some risk there. But this was just, this was one of these very specialized banks that is not like most of the major banks you're going to be dealing with. They just didn't have enough liquidity to handle all of the withdrawals because the withdrawals were from major, almost all their money came from big clients, multi-million dollar clients. Now, why would they put their money in a bank, in a in an account that exceeded $250,000? Why would they do that? Well, because it's a, the hip bank, right? If you're a tech person yep. or something related to that, I got to be part of SVB, baby. That's right there Plus, in my alley. A- Plus, they also had often had relationships with the bankers sure. there, with people, with the people who ran the bank, because these were the same people who, when they after they got their venture capital, then said, "Well, yeah, we'll we'll lend you money." That when the big big banks wouldn't, they would. So they built this relationship up, and part of the deal was, "Hey, you got to deposit your money with us in return for these loans." So there you was a quid pro quo. To play. There was yeah. a level yeah. of trust. Okay, so I'm listening right now to this podcast, and I'm saying, what should I do? Well, number one, you really don't want to have more than $250,000 in one bank in one account. That's one. Number two, if you have excess sort of liquid needs, right, then you want to go to a brokerage and you want to invest that in, you know, short-term treasury, something like that, where you can still get the money basically very quickly, but it's invested in securities that that will pay you back a bank has no such obligation completely. And by the way, just because we we have relationships with people at Schwab and Vanguard and those other major brokerages, if they were to go out of business, you'd still hold the securities that they had purchased for you. You'd still be able to eventually sell those. It wouldn't be like you're, as Don said, a line as a creditor. And this, by the way, we should point out, you touched on it briefly. The fact that this all came about because they held these longer term securities that nobody wanted to buy, right? They needed to sell them to raise the capital because interest rates are higher and the new securities being issued, new bonds are being issued at those higher rates. So they had to dump them. And they, I think the loss took like a $2 billion loss or something like that it was huge numbers. So this is, it's a wonderful life in reverse, I guess, if you're, if you're one of those, and I shouldn't laugh, if you're one of those people that is going to be stuck holding the bag on all this one. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I, you said you, you still have your securities in your Schwab account. Of course, maybe unless you own SVB stock, symbol S I V B. Although shockingly, here's the boy, Monday is going to be an interesting day for the stock because on Friday, the 10th, the stock plunged $162 a share. Of course, because everybody thought they were in trouble. Well, now they're not just in trouble. Now they literally no longer exist as a bank. So there's still $106 of value that will go away per wow. share. That's fairly per substantial. Share. 
Yeah, so there's some lessons to be learned there. I mean, the other lesson that is problematic still when we see situations like this run on the bank is that as emotional beings, we all feel this run on whatever. If there's going to be an issue, I got to get mine first, right? Yeah. And we're seeing this, sadly, with a thing called Social Security, which is such a huge part of, and yes, it'll be an important part of my retirement too, but what we're seeing, Don, is people are claiming Social Security, you know, at ages 62, 63, et cetera, now because they're worried their benefits will be cut once the program runs short of cash, which is expected to be in 2034. There's no perfect number for all that unless Congress does something between now and 2034 which I think is more than 10 years from now. But the, the, the recent article quoted people saying uh, a woman who's 64 said she's claiming her benefits soon after retiring at 63 because she likes the money now rather than waiting because if she doesn't want to get less later, even though today she'll be taking $400 a month less than she would have received at 67. And remember, the earlier you claim, the lower your monthly income is for life. And here's the number I think you need to pay attention to. This comes from, um, you know, this fellow and I know him too, but I got to find his name. Lawrence he, he does a lot of, exactly. He does a Larry yeah. Kotlikoff. No, if, if, if it's about He's social security, quoted. it's Larry Kotlikoff. Yeah. It's always, Larry uh, Kotlikoff. the math favors starting to take social security benefits at 70 when monthly benefits before, co- before cost of living adjustments are 76% higher than at 62. And remember, once you're locked in, you're all the way locked in other than those, cost of living adjustments. It is a huge decision that you should not base on your emotions about whether or not Congress will do something. And again, my personal take, and we've said this before, is if Congress does nothing, then you think January 6th was a bad day at the Capitol. Now, you correctly pointed out once this may be a grayer group that shows up at the Capitol. Yeah, it'll be let's so call it geriatric sixth. <laughs> we'll walk up with our walkers and knock the yeah. I mean, because it would be so catastrophic. People are so reliant on Social Security in a way, by the way, that the system was not designed for, but they are. And so for Congress not to do something to fix this, whether that means raising the age where you take it and see France for how that all works out, uh, increasing the amount that you can put in every, whatever the fix is, my take is something will be done. And this is pure human emotion to get caught up in a sort of run on social security. If you will, I wouldn't be doing it. I don't think you should either be careful. Well, and it's interesting. I went to my SSA account just during your talk. Is it about still it. there? Yeah. Yeah. It's still there. Because okay, this good. month, this month, right now, I just hit FRA. I am full retirement age right now. Wow. This is it, huh? Okay. So if I retired at FRA, this is my normal retirement age. My benefit would be 25% lower than it will wow. be if I just wait three years and quarter, three months. Quarter. And yes. that's all you're going to get the rest of your life. And by the way, if you're married and your significant other is going to be relying on your benefit after you're that's their benefit, too. I mean, this is a huge decision that should not be done on a whim, should not be done emotionally, Don, because so many people make these decisions emotionally. Man, if if I've Although, delivered any other message at retirement, I hope it's this one. Wait, Although, wait, you know, wait. I got to tell you, if you know, what if I die 
sooner than later. Am well, I going to then regret? you didn't work out as Am well. Am I going to regret not taking it well, earlier? <laughs> Don't call me and say, you told me to wait because that'll be troubling. But the thing is, Debbie oh, I gave you a perfect opening. Benefit. The opening is, you're going to oh, be what? dead. Why would you care? Okay, that's why I tried to give the don't call thing. You know, I mean, (laughs) don't call me. Uh, So, but your spouse or your significant, uh, there's all kinds of reasons to wait. You're right. There isn't, we can't tell because even after you claim you have to live about 10 years for it all to work. So Mm -hmm. you're right. If you have to have the money, okay. If you're not expected to live past 70, okay. If you have a family history that says nobody lives past 75, okay, I buy that. But for most people Mm -hmm. who are living longer, and need the increased benefit, it makes sense to wait and take money from other places. I'll put it that way. And the time, it, the the it's a magical year. It's when you turn 70. That's when your benefit stops going up except for inflation adjustments. And we so, just heard, remember, I just talked about this at Retirement, and the new work by the, a, a study done for the Federal Reserve showed most people, most people should wait until age 70 to take Social Security. Well, when I look at this number, I, I mean, literally, I'm looking at this number and, you know, the amount that I live on every month because I save in my 401k and I have medical taken out of my paycheck and all of that, the the, the Social Security payment that I'm going to get at age 70 is literally one half of my take-home pay every month. There you go. One half. Right. So and all so- I have to do is to live at the same lifestyle is is double social security, which should from my portfolio be easy. So waiting makes everything better. It makes your life easier because your portfolio doesn't have to be as big to help you maintain a similar lifestyle. And for you, my friend, even better news right next to the yurt I built for my brother in the backyard, another one for you and Debbie as well. So you're all, all set. I need is a pull in for the airstream. All I need because the airstream right off. <laughs> I wanna I wanna I wanna mention to all our friends in Jackson Center, Ohio. <laughs> yes. I am gonna Fix I it. have decided to take the plunge and the airstream is going to the factory. To get all oh. checked out and fixed up. I'm sending it to the factory. Because it's on the side of a road center. somewhere in Tennessee or something? Or, I mean, no, who knows no, it, it is right? now, but it's going to Jackson Center. It's ah, going home. I'm going to It's Jackson. going back okay. home. Okay. That's Very where it was awesome. born, Jackson Center, Ohio. <laughs> to where we became. All right. Farewell hey, um, we take your <laughs> questions a lot. We take them at 855-935-TALK. We also take them uh, at TalkingRealMoney.com, both verbally and uh, written. The written exam at Talking Real Money. And many of you choose to take the written exam route, which to me seems like a whole heck of a lot more work, but talking to me is a whole lot easier than writing. But Tom's got some of those that come in written. And uh, again, maybe he'll actually let me answer some of them. We'll see. I'm going to try to be a little more gracious, shall we say? This Mm -hmm. comes from Blake. Blake writes, I max out my 401k. And by the way, maxing out the 401, I'm going to answer this part if that's okay. If you're over the age of 50, that means you can put in 30,000. So don't call me and say I maxed out and I ask you and you say, oh yeah, I put in like 20,000. No, if you're over 50, you can put in $30,000 this year. I am maxing my 401k. I am maxing Good job. Uh, I'm in the prime of my earning years. What's the best way to save for retirement beyond 401k, Roth, IRA, et cetera? Don McDonald. Depends on whether you're eligible for Roth, 
IRA, a Roth or a regular IRA. If you need a tax deduction and you're eligible, then the regular IRA may be very attractive because you could be, probably are, in particularly as you get closer to retirement, in the highest earning years of your life. So sometimes that deduction can be a lot better right now than the tax-free growth of the Roth IRA, but that depends on your income and whether you're eligible for those or not. If you are not eligible to contribute to a Roth or a regular IRA, or you're eligible and you want to go beyond the 7,500 now for over 50, 7,000, what's the, I forget the number. 7,500, yeah. 7,500. Then this is the, to me, this just makes sense anyway, really. Invest outside of your IRA. Whoa, wait a minute. Put it in something that's not in a qualified type account? Right. Right, but okay. but use growth oriented ETFs oh. because growth ETFs like wait, stock wait, ETFs. When you say growth, does that mean BT. growth versus value? No, that means oh, stocks okay. versus bonds. Go, ah, okay. So things that are, have a tendency to equities. Go up Let me more. use the term Got equities. It. Thank you. Appreciate equity it. ETFs because they will pay out very little in terms of income dividends that are taxable and. Because of the structure of ETFs, you will not get those horrible surprise realized capital gains distributions that so many got this last year. Um, So it's just a wonderful. And then when you take the money out, this is the thing that people forget. Well, yeah, when I take it out, I got to pay taxes on it. When you take money out of a regular IRA, you have to pay taxes on it and you pay them at your income rates. With currently yes. with capital yeah. with capital gains, you pay a maximum of fifteen. Well, okay, maybe plus eighteen the three, yeah. plus the three point eight, whatever. Yeah, okay, three point yeah. eight. Yeah, you could pay, but that. it's a good okay, way to good, go. In good my advice. Opinion. So you should check though first to see if you're either Roth eligible or IRA eligible. I think the the income for the to let's see for married, I believe it's a little over two hundred thousand or if you have yeah. any more than that you can't do rough two eleven or something you can still do a ira um deduct it all the way up to one hundred and thirty thousand. i think is for married so you, there's still some things you could do there but that's great advice don real quick from dave dave okay. dave says dave. i've dave. heard that a four percent is a typical withdrawal rate however Often the advice adds to adjust for inflation each year. Does yeah. that mean if inflation is 2%, you take out 6% the next year or take out 4 plus an additional 0.2? Right. That's it. Thank you. Four, it's not 4 ah, plus see, 2%. It's tricky. Yeah, it's that would 4%, be very tricky. You, it's it's yep. 20%. Or it's, if it's inflation's 20%, it would be 20% more than 4% of the 4%. He's got it right. Right. Which would be 4.8% in this case. Exactly. Yeah. So you're you're right. It's not four plus two because that'd be six. And the next year it'd be three. No, you'd be taking out a whole lot of money. And by the way, this is another reason that frankly, after doing, after doing this presentation so many times, including recently retirement, I like the flexible, the more I get into this, I love the flexible. flexible. And and let me explain what the flexible is. Instead of taking 4% plus inflation or X plus inflation every year at the beginning of the year, you establish your budget for the year by taking out a flat amount of your portfolio. And we have run the numbers six ways to Sunday and cannot in the properly diversified portfolio with some stocks and bonds, we cannot find a way for you to run out of money if you take out 5% a year at the beginning of the year. 
Now, remember, in good years, that 5% could be a heck of a lot of money. In bad years, it could be a whole lot less than you're accustomed to. So you have to adjust your lifestyle. The difference between taking the gang to Hawaii or taking the and gang taking to, them wild to wild waves. wild waves, which ah, is not a good joke. Oh, no, it, it doesn't work. Joke. Doesn't it work nationally. Doesn't work. Nobody in knows Ohio. what wild waves that. is. Well, type it in on the interweb. You'll find it. It's okay, right it's there. like going. The difference between going to Disney World and going or, to Fun Spot. I, I don't know. Fun Spot fun is a minor spot, little like amusement park here. Is that from? No, there's a there's last days. There's, there's an amusement park here called Fun Spot, which has ah, just. I've never like, been there. So, yeah. you know, I know. No, I, uh, I've never been there either. I, I If I was going to go somewhere, I would choose. Oh, Disney let World. Me think. Yeah. Well, because you've got the special backdoor entrance from your house I anyway. Do not. So, what do you care? Did, look at this card I got today. Yeah. I want to show you beautiful. this. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And this gorgeous. 10 I got this. This G. is from our Wouldn't favorite. Nice? This, is, <laughs> this is from our favorite cable company, Xfinity, which is Comcast. Yeah. Now, mm. no, get that. This is so misleading. Now, I have one gigabyte, which yep. you could call 1G, right? Yeah. At my home. Tom mm -hmm. has a tiny fraction of that from Xfinity. <laughs> we don't know how low the fraction is because sometimes it doesn't even work at all. So anyway, I got this and I went, oh my gosh, they've got 10 gigs in my neighborhood? Whoa, I wonder what that costs. That might be very cool because that means all the work I do, I could just, it uploads like that, right? Yeah. I flipped the card over on the other side. Uh-oh. It says $25 per month for two years. I'm going, uh, for 10, I'm changing. I'm going to switch from my phone company to them. And then I flip the card over. Now, they call uh -oh. it 10G. Yeah. On the other side, it says download speeds up to 200 megabits. 10G is just wah, a marketing wah, term. Yeah, exactly. 10G yeah. is just marketing. That is just a number. They went, oh, we're going to get people because they're not going to read the fine print. Once again, Xfinity, you outdo yourself for misleading promotion. When it comes to promotion. <laughs> Ten G, you see it? It says that. It does say it right there. So hmm. Xfinity. Um, bad, quick bad, bad. Announcement. Xfinity. Quick announcement here. What? Um well I'm we're back in the I can I've I've helped so many people the last the first mm -hmm. two and a half months of the year, I've got a little time now. I could do a few more Saturday mornings if you want. So I'm happy to have a really? chat on Saturday. I thought you were swamped. You were, on, no, you were near a nervous breakdown last week. I, you told me well, you had too maybe, much work. Maybe that. I maybe I just like living that way. Maybe it's just better for me to be oh, there. Just like you, living on the edge. There's some people like that. There's some people yeah. that like that that yeah. want to be. Yeah. So. You know, so, so so call Tom at 800-386-3004 so he can live on the edge talking to you. I like talking to people. You know that. So anyway, I know, I know, all kidding I aside, know. Oh, oh, I'll oh. be glad to help. So do it. And all kidding on, on uh, uh, in back in place, my wife so loves talking to people. She She's worse than you. Yeah, oh, for sure. She, gosh, she loves talking to people. Yeah. Now, my wife, her father was in the Air Force, and so she was born in England at an Air Force base. Well, she has a friend who's from England. And so today she said, well, you're eligible to join the Daughters of the British Empire. Would you like to go to the meeting? So, of course, Debbie's going, meet sure. new people? I'm going to the meeting of the Daughters of the British Empire. And then, wow. and then she okay. said to me, she goes, wait a minute. I'm also eligible for uh, membership in the Daughters of American of the American Revolution. Would there be a conflict between those? <laughs> Well, there was a conflict. 
I don't know if there is, but there years was. Ago. Yeah, it was it, kind it of was a long a, time. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're over it. One Isn't it both, almost two hundred fifty years? I don't know. Seventeen seven. Yeah, it sounds like that sounds well, right. Yeah, think about it. Nineteen seventy six. I was yeah. twenty years old. Yeah. <gasps> oh my gosh! In my twenties, yeah. yeah, it's almost here again. I'm really old. So, all right. Yeah, um, by the way, okay. this was a. This was a special, weird Monday edition. You notice it's not the radio show? We had some problems. So we're giving you a. We didn't have any problems. Well, the station had some problems. So we're giving you a special edition. Today's and tomorrow's podcast will both be special edition podcasts. What makes them special? We don't know. We just hope you like them. We do. We hope you like them, and we hope you uh, continue to tell people about them, and you continue to listen regularly, and and you call us at 855-935-TALK, or you send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com, or you ask to, to talk to an advisor with no cost, obligation, or anything. You just get free help. Who gives you free help? Really? Free, no obligation help. Who does that? What's wrong with us? I thought you would answer that. It wasn't rhetorical. Oh, was well, okay. we don't have that much time. I mean, this it was rhetorical. I'm Don. That's Tom. The troubled one. <laughs> Perpetually talking real money. If you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.